Welcome to Feeding the Flock and our expositions through the Old Testament book of Daniel. We are currently in chapter 12 at verse 1. Hi, I'm Glendale Tony. I am glad you joined me today for this Bible study. Let's begin reading in verse 1 of chapter 12 of the book of Daniel. It says this, Now at that time Michael, the great prince who stands guard over the sons of your people, will arise. And there will be a time of distress such as never occurred since there was a nation until that time. And at that time your people, everyone who is found written in the book, will be rescued. Many of those who sleep in the dust of the ground will awake. These to everlasting life but the others to disgrace and everlasting contempt. Those who have insight will shine brightly like the brightness of the expanse of heaven, and those who lead the many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. But as for you, Daniel, conceal these words and seal up the book until the end of time. Many will go back and forth, and knowledge will increase. Then I, Daniel, looked, and behold, two others were standing, one on this bank of the river, and the other on that bank of the river. And one said to the man dressed in linen who was above the waters of the river, How long will it be until the end of these wonders? I heard the man dressed in linen, who was above the waters of the river, as he raised his right hand and his left toward heaven, and swore by him who lives forever that it would be for a time, times, and half a time. And as soon as they finish shattering the power of the holy people, all these events will be completed. As for me, I heard but could not understand. So I said, My Lord, what will be the outcome of these events? He said, Go your way, Daniel. For these words are concealed and sealed up until the end time. Many will be purged, purified, and refined, but the wicked will act wickedly, and none of the wicked will understand, but those who have insight will understand. From the time that the regular sacrifice is abolished and the abomination of desolation is set up, there will be 1290 days. How blessed is he who keeps waiting and attains to the 1,335 days. But as for you, go your way to the end. Then you will enter into rest and rise again for your allotted portion at the end of the age. So we find here in chapter 12, actually, is a continuation of a single vision, you might say, that began all the way in chapter 10, verse 1, all the way through chapter 11, and now all the way through chapter 13. And there have been, and there is here in this chapter, some exchanges that take place, but it is, we believe, one continuous 
vision or one continuous idea. So we have separated them out in our messages and our episodes here in order to kind of uh, break it up so that we can understand it all. But uh, never forget the fact that that even uh, the beginning of chapter 12, verse 1 should give you a, a little bit of a hint. And that is, now at that time, Michael, uh, at that time, what time? Well, that's referring back to the uh, uh, to the previous paragraph in chapter 11. And if you don't know what's in chapter 11, then you'll not, not know uh, what it's referring to when it says, now at that time. What is that time? It's the time in which this ruler of the, uh, well, we'll call it the revived Roman Empire. It uh, We are not quite sure of all of its components, but we are sure that the Bible says there will be this ruler, and he will uh, basically eliminate uh, 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 three out of a ten-nation confederacy, and he will combine, and he will not only do these things politically speaking, he will also, according to chapter 9, he will sign a treaty or some sort of an agreement with uh, the nation of Israel uh, for seven years. And then in the middle of those seven years, in other words, after three and a half years have already ticked off, and and uh, there are three and a half years left over, then he will desecrate the temple and he will put an end to the sacrifices. And of course, we have that character introduced in verses 36 through 45 of chapter 11. It doesn't uh, directly refer to the abomination of desolation and until we get to chapter 12. And so that's the reason why, in some regards, it's good to uh, get a good grasp of uh, various paragraphs as they connect themselves to each other and sometimes read them through without any connection to the actual chapter divisions. And sometimes it works just as well. And uh, because you can see a pattern that is developing without segmenting uh, the scriptures into various uh, uh, ideas that we call chapters. And of course, it's important to have chapters and verses uh, because that uh, means a lot for us to be able to turn to certain passages and paragraphs and sentences and words. But uh, sometimes it uh, gets in the way of uh, getting the bigger picture. And so the bigger picture is we have this character introduced who will, uh, uh, in many ways, duplicate uh, what uh, the the Syrian leader, the Syrian king Antiochus Epiphanes, did during the uh, 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 during that period of time. And he comes out of the Greek empire. He himself is from the Syrian division of the Greek empire, but he defiled the temple. We have that already recorded in history. We can look back and see uh, the, the, the main elements of what that meant to desecrate the temple. This isn't just destruction. It isn't dismantling. It isn't uh, just hauling away the, the, uh, the, uh, the instruments inside the temple or the, the various articles of furniture and uh, taking them someplace else. It isn't that. This is a replacement of the God of Israel by a man inside the Holy of Holies, declaring himself to be the God of Israel and substituting himself as the God of Israel. That is the desecration. Now, in Antiochus Epiphany's uh, day, uh, what that also meant, it meant uh, uh, sacrificing a sow and uh, 
and uh, slinging uh, sow's blood and sow's broth, uh, pig's blood, uh, all over the Holy of Holies and uh, the holy place, and um, and setting this idol up with his own name on it. It happened to have been, according to my understanding, it happened to have been the, the image of Zeus, but he put his own name inscribed upon it. Uh, well, that is a reflection of this other guy's career that's going to come. He hasn't come yet. Uh, the Romans destroyed the temple and the city in A.D. 70. Uh, but uh, somewhere along the line, the revived Roman Empire will surface, and this king will arrive who will make this this treaty with with Israel, and that treaty will be a seven-year treaty. But in the middle of the treaty, he will do something so dramatic that it reflects or actually expands. It is um, worse than what uh, Antiochus Epiphanes did uh, earlier, and that is uh, he's going to desecrate the temple. It's called the abomination of desolation. That's what basically this chapter 12 is all about. So he says in verse 1, Now at that time Michael, the great prince who stands guard over the sons of your people, evidently uh, there are two angels that are named in the scriptures, and this this other one here is named Michael. The other one is uh, we've already seen is Gabriel. Gabriel is seemingly the uh, angel that does the most talking, and he seems to be more like a revelation-type angel. He is revealing things and communicating things to Daniel, showing things to Daniel that Daniel wouldn't know otherwise. And so Gabriel is responsible of a lot of the written scripture that uh, Daniel has written down. And now uh, it says that... that uh, at the time that this character of, uh, uh, we call him the Antichrist today, that's what the New Testament calls him. Uh, Daniel doesn't have that name applied to him. He is just uh, uh, this ruler out of the revived Roman Empire. And when he comes and he desecrates the temple, when he declares himself to be equal to the God of Israel, then Michael the prince is going to stand guard over the sons of your people. That means Michael has an assignment in the future. He will have this direct assignment to guard over the nation of Israel, over the Jewish people, and uh, he has that particular assignment. It doesn't necessarily mean that uh, every individual Jewish pe- uh, person is going to survive some of this, but it does mean that that generally speaking, he's going to stand for the nation of Israel against the attacks of the enemy. And so it says, and there will be a time of distress such as never occurred since there was a nation until that time. This time of distress is called earlier on, I think it's in uh, Jeremiah, I believe, where he calls it uh, in Jeremiah chapter 30, verse 7, alas, for that day is great. There is none like it. And it is the time of Jacob's distress, but he will be saved from it. Uh, The King James translation calls it the time of Jacob's trouble. And uh, So that is uh, the label that's given to this last three and a half years when when this fellow steps forward and desecrates the temple in which, uh, by the way, there is no temple currently uh, that uh, the Jewish people worship in Jerusalem. There is no temple or there is no tabernacle. There's no tent. There is no holy place or holy of holies uh, on Temple Mount yet. Uh, But uh, evidently, this person is going to desecrate that holy of holies and declare himself to be God. And uh, that uh, 
So, and besides that, it's going to be a time of distress for the nation of Israel. And it says, uh, uh, that time, uh, at that time, your people, everyone who is found written in the book will be rescued. Notice that he says the time of distress is, uh, such as never occurred since there was a nation until that time. So uh, if, you, if you have uh, studied uh, uh, Jewish history and seen some of the persecutions that they have had to endure, including uh, those within the 20th century uh, and uh, uh, what we call the Holocaust. And, uh, we look at that and we say that is a, a, a dramatic and a traumatic piece of event. It is more than an event. It, it, it completely decimated the lives of many people, the families of many Jewish people. And, um, uh, and yet there is coming a day in the future, evidently, according to these passages, that it is still yet to come. Uh, we look back to when the, the Romans uh, destroyed the temple, destroyed Jerusalem, overtook the, the entire land of promise, and took it away from uh, uh, the Jewish people, uh, uh, at least for a period of time, and then took over and occupied that land. And that that was a dramatic event, and yet th those things do not compare to what is to come uh, when this person sets himself in the holy of holies. He says, he says, uh, everyone who is found written in the book will be rescued. And uh, of course, we know that is the book of life. That's those are the ones who will be rescued from the Jewish uh, people, from the land of Israel. These people will still be rescued because their names are written in the book. Is your name written in the book? And uh, we know what that book is. It's the book of life. Well, we'll be back right after this short break. Let's get back uh, right into this passage and uh, uh, look at some of these phrases and some, some of these ideas that are coming forth here. Uh, we, we notice uh, already that there, there is this time of great distress for the nation of Israel. And Jesus called it uh, in uh, Matthew chapter 24, uh, uh, verse 8, he called it the beginning of birth pangs. That is the first three and a half years in which this Roman ruler has uh, signed this uh, protection agreement uh, to the nation of Israel and and perhaps it, it actually is more detailed and, and it involves uh, protection of uh, parts of Temple Mount so that the Jewish people can uh, resurrect some sort of a temple or some sort of a, a tabernacle there. Um, 
And that, uh, but those first three and a half years are just uh, the beginning of birth pangs, Jesus says. And then he says in uh, Matthew 24, verse 9, he says, Then they will deliver you to tribulation and will kill you, and you will be hated by all nations because of my name, so that there, this tribulation will be great stress upon the nation of Israel, upon the Jewish people, like uh, none has happened even uh, prior. And uh, so that means this is going to be very, very dramatic and very, very stressful in in that regard. In fact, that's a that's a, a minor, uh, that is a, an under uh, use of that term. Uh, it, this is going to be a time of great distress, and it's caused uh, of this tribulation that Jesus uh, himself says. And then uh, later in uh, chapter chapter 24 of Matthew, verses 15 and 16, Jesus himself refers to the abomination of desolation. We're going to get to that in this passage in Daniel chapter 12. And it says in verse 16, it says, then those who are in Judea must flee to the mountains. So they will, some of them will survive. They will flee when they see this set up in the Holy of Holies. He says in verse 21, though, of Matthew 24, it says, for then there will be a great tribulation such as has not occurred until the beginning of the world until now, nor ever will. So uh, Jesus's words in Matthew 24 parallels the same terminology we find uh, being given here to Daniel. And uh, that uh, that includes this, this time of trouble for Jacob's trouble and uh, uh, such as never has occurred before. And uh, Jesus himself refers to this great tribulation. And that is, after this Roman ruler uh, basically shows himself, presents himself as, as a replacement to the, to the God of Israel, and he does so by placing his own image inside the Holy of Holies, then uh, he says, uh, it says that... <clears throat> Excuse me, in verse, continuing on in verse 1 of chapter 12, back in Daniel we are, it says, uh, and at that time your people, everyone who is found written in the book, will be rescued. And how, how is someone uh, is written in the book, the book of life? By trusting Yeshua, trusting that uh, Jesus is the Messiah, who not only is the king, but is also the servant who took our sins upon his own shoulders as our substitute. That is the way to get your name written in the book of life is to trust that Jesus is your substitute sacrifice. He is, uh, and his death is the payment for your sin. And uh, that is uh, uh, what it takes to have your name written in that book. And that's exactly uh, those who will survive and those who will um, face uh, the, the future resurrection to resurrected life. And that's what he says in verse 2 of chapter 12, many of those who asleep in the dust of the ground will awake, these to everlasting life, but others to disgrace and everlasting contempt. So at the resurrection or after the resurrection, there will be these two divisions of even the resurrected people. Not every resurrected people will find eternal life. Only those who are, whose names are written in the book. Those who aren't written in the book will find everlasting contempt. And so uh, there is a, a certain division, even among the Jewish people at this point. And uh, by these words, verse th- verse 3 of chapter 12 of Daniel, it says, those who have insight will shine brightly like the brightness of the ex- 
expanse of heaven and those who lead the many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. So there will be those. There will be Jewish evangelists. In fact, we... uh, we have a picture of those Jewish evangelists in the uh, book of Revelation. Uh, there are uh, 144,000, and there are 12,000 from each of the 12 tribes of Israel that are listed out in the book of Revelation. And uh, we, uh, and it, I think this verse right here is referring to those, any evangelist in, in general, but specifically to those who spread the gospel to the Jewish people during these troublous times of the last three and a half years of what is now called the Great Tribulation. And uh, so they will shine brightly. They will find uh, others who will trust Christ Uh, Jesus as their Savior, as their Messiah. But as for you, Daniel, uh, uh, Gabriel now concludes his part of his his, uh, lecture, you might say, his predictions. He says, uh, as for you, Daniel, conceal these words and seal up the book until the end of time. Uh, Many will go back and forth and knowledge will increase. Now, he's not necessarily saying uh, to prevent people from reading the book. Uh, He's not referring to that idea that somehow Daniel is supposed to seal it up and don't let anybody else read it from now on, because now here we are, we're reading it, because uh, what he's referring to is the protection of the book. He he wants this book and these words, these prophecies, he wants them protected. He wants them guarded over, and that's the reason why they are sealed, why they are stored this way, uh, conceal these words so that they are protected and they are not damaged. They are not infiltrated or polluted with other people's uh, words. And so then Daniel is left uh, at the end of that with this uh, this uh, one prediction that says many will go back and forth. That seems to refer to travel and the increase of travel. It's, it says also knowledge will increase. That refers to information. Information will increase and will be more accessible. Well, you can apply that however you'd like to, but uh, uh, I don't know of any time of human history where travel has been more prevalent or information has been more available to more and more people. But uh, I'll just leave that as it is. Then verse 5, it says, Then I, Daniel, looked, and behold, two others. This, These are evidently angels uh, on each side of the Tigris River. That's the context. It was established earlier in chapter 10. And uh, and then there's this man of linen who's who's above the waters of the river, and that man of linen, uh, dressed in linen, is uh, whom. Uh, the person we believe to be the pre-incarnate uh, Jesus. This is the pre-incarnate Christ, the pre-incarnate Messiah figure, the Son of Man, he's called. He's also known in the New Testament as the Son of God. He's the second person of the triune God, and uh, he has already revealed himself earlier uh, as coming up to the Ancient of Days, and the Ancient of Days was the Father God. And, uh, and now he is he is uh, uh, somewhere above the rivers of, uh, uh, that is, the waters of the or a river uh, Tigris, and it says, uh, uh, one man said to the man dressed in linen, verse 6, who was above the waters of the river, how long will it be? Well, then it says in verse 7, I heard the man dressed in linen. This is Jesus speaking before he became Jesus, and it says, uh, says, uh, uh, 
Uh, He raised his right hand and his left toward heaven. This is like a double whammy kind of an oath, you might say, because it involves both hands toward heaven and swore by him who lives forever. That's the ancient of days that was introduced earlier. We know him as the father, God, the father, that it would be for a time, times and a half of time that, uh, that that uh, refers to what we now know to be three and a half years, although uh, he doesn't use that kind of terminology because then we would think it would have to fit into our calendar years, and it won't fit into our calendar years. These are special prophetic years that are kept completely objective, complete, uh, kept uh, completely aloof, you might say, from uh, from human calendars and human calendar years, the way humans have devised the calendars and put them in place. Uh, uh, and yet, so this will not be a Julian calendar or a Gregorian calendar or a Mayan calendar. This is God's calendar, and it's his three and a half years. And so he chooses this kind of cryptic language uh, in order to to describe those uh, as a time, that's one year, times, that's two years, and half a time, that is that is half a year. So that's three and a half years. And it says, as soon as they finish shattering the power of the holy people, all of these events will be completed. There will be this great persecution, this great tribulation poured out upon the Jewish people and upon any who who proclaim the name of Jesus, proclaim the name of Jesus as the Messiah. And, um, and, and uh, that will mean every believer will have to face martyrdom, perhaps, uh, during these, these very, very trying times. And it says, uh, so he says, what's the outcome of, the, of these events, he says. And uh, verse 9, he, uh, he goes on. He said, uh, go your way, Daniel, for these words are concealed and sealed up until the end time. Again, it has to do with protection. It doesn't mean they're private and secret words as if this document should be hidden away somewhere, but it does mean they become protected words. And many will be purged, purified, and refined. That's what those final days will be. The wicked will act wickedly, and none of the wicked will understand it, but those who have insight will understand. They will know what it is they're experiencing, and they will know where their hope lies. From that time the regular sacrifice is abolished and the abomination of desolation is set up. And so this becomes a key point, a key marker in human history uh, that, uh, that Daniel now sees and uh, it's referred to by Jesus himself in both Matthew and Mark. And this key marker is the abomination of desolation where this Roman ruler comes into the Holy of Holies and declares himself to be God of all gods. And uh, that is the abomination. And he adds some more days to this count. Uh, And we're not quite sure why he adds these days because they would have originally been 1260 days of uh, prophetic years. And and now he adds 30 more days. He says 1290 days. Days, uh, there, there will be a blessing. And then verse 12, there is 1,335 days. So there, there's this addition of 30 days. There's this ad, uh, another addition of 45 more days on top of that. 
so we we kind of get the picture that there's this this detailed time frame in which the the uh, the person we know as the Antichrist, this this ruler of the revived Roman Empire, will be judged at the end of the 1260 days. Jesus, I believe, will set his feet down on Mount Zion at the end of 1290 days, and then he will introduce uh, those who are believers into his kingdom at the 1335-day mark. Uh, But uh, it seems as though that seems to be the marker that's laid out for us here, even in the details of what that can be anticipated in this future end of time before the Messiah returns and set up his kingdom. And finally, verse 13, but as for you, go your way to the end. Then you will enter into rest and rise again for your allotted portion at the end of the age. So Daniel is given a personal promise that he will be there, that he will join with his brothers and sisters in the Jewish family who have trusted Jesus as their Messiah and Savior, and he will be raised right along with them in his presence. Dear Father, I pray that your words would strengthen our hearts with hope, would give our minds understanding, would also would illumine us in what to anticipate that might be around the corner so that we would not fear and that we would not cower, but instead that we would stand firm upon the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. I hope you enjoyed our presentation today. This is Glendal Tony. Join us again for future episodes of Feeding the Flock.